Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Whedonverse Podcast. A retrospective, spoiler-free podcast where we discuss the movies, series, comics, and games created or inspired by Joss Whedon. With your hosts, Mr. Universe. Number Do the dance of joy. And the clairvoyant. Well, you're right about this being a bad idea. Also brought to you by the Tangent Bound Network. This episode, we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 9, What's My Line, Part 1, and Episode 10, What's My Line, Part 2, with special guest host Meg Griffin from Mindian's Minute and Outlandish Conversations. the vampire slayer season two episode nine what's my line part one written by howard gordon and marty noxon directed by david solomon original air date november 17th 1997 welcome back to the Whedonverse podcast another week another dollar i don't know what episode this is 57 i think every week you declare you don't know what episode it is maybe you should start keeping track you could write it down drunk like i do <laughs> and if you just if you don't recognize that voice audience, we got Miss Meg Griffin here with us once again. Hello, Miss, Mrs. Meg Griffin. Yes. Has anyone ever told you that your name resembles that of a famous cartoon character? Oh, you know, I've actually never heard that. Yeah, like a Barbados Slim from Futurama. Hmm. <laughs> we got Meg with us both episodes this time for the what's my lines the whole th- the whole deal. Making it the longest Whedon verse podcast episode in existence already. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Since I was able to talk for like two hours about one episode, just imagine what I can do with two. <laughs> but uh, this episode name actually refers to, well, Meg, your era, uh, a 50s game show. Wait <laughs> uh, <Need> a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and also That's- a quote in this episode as well. It's a callback to... It ran to the 70s. You were probably around in the 70s. I was not around in the 70s. <laughs> My parents were born in the 50s. Come on. <laughs> so this episode actually came out November 17th, 97. So this would be like our closest to our birthday. Not year, but day. So I'm proud. Well, and, it's probably uh, pretty close to your birth year, too. It's yeah. not... It's not, not far. <laughs> and all uh, 30 of Meg's kids are November babies, so one of them is bound to be born on this day as well, November 17th. Yes, all 30 of them. Well, one a day. I, I've been really busy, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but your kids are November babies, correct? Yeah, I'm yeah, right they're here. both November babies, and so, they're four years apart because I can only get pregnant, it seems, when Obama is running for president. <laughs> says a lot. And that's it. So I'm done, clearly. (laughs) 
But uh, this is actually the first time Marty Noxon wrote an episode. Wonderful Marty. She came on for this season. This is the first time she wrote anything. Actually, she didn't come on for this season. She was still doing... Uh, she was doing... She was freelancing this season. She didn't come on, I think, till next season. She was a producer, but she wasn't writing till about here. And the only time... This is the only time Howard Gordon wrote ever for Buffy. For anything. Yeah, pretty much. He was an executive producer of Buffy. <laughs> But in Finland, this episode's called Visitors Part 1. In Brazil, it's called What Should I Do? First Part, because they're backwards. And in Germany, it's called The Rival. And this is actually our second two-parter ever on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, with the first one being the first two episodes. Yeah, this is the first two-parter that shares the same name, though. Yeah, first one was The Harvest, or Welcome to the Hellmouth, followed by The Harvest, but they considered it a two-parter, because mm. it said to be continued. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. So, <laughs> this is we start with a previously on, which, hot damn, that usually means it's going to be a good one. Yeah. they got to so remind me what's going on. It's going to be a, a good one. A lot of big storylines coming. Exactly. They just don't want you to forget. They want you to get all the jokes. We should do that on Weed vs. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> previously, are you jacked in? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's it's strange for me going from that episode to this one because that one was so ridiculous, and this one is like, oh, this is actually like like it's got real like meat to the story, and I'm like, I'm gonna try and see how well I do with a real episode. <laughs> so this episode, this real episode, starts with a real career fair tomorrow, so everyone's preparing, hustling and bustling. I've never had a career fair. I don't know. I was just about to ask. Yeah, did did anybody's school do a real career fair? Is that an actual thing? I did a career aptitude test, but no one came and talked to me about it. Well, I mean, like, my school did a fair, kind of, where they had, like, people from all different professions or whatever in the gym just talking about it. But there was never anything where you had to take a test to see what booth you, you see, should go to. I it was mostly just, just wander test. around and smoke. <laughs> I just had the test. Uh, they said I'd be a Foley artist, the people who make sound effects in movies, and win Oscars. Occasionally. <laughs> there's a girl in the background, she's pushing past the lab skeleton, so I'm so glad he's safe, because I, I hypothesized that that was the master's bones that they had used, <laughs> so I'm very glad. Uh, and Willow joins Xander, she, walk, she, I don't know, skirts through the crowd, joins Xander and Buffy, who are filling out their forms, and she's kind of excited about what career she might get, which probably would be my reaction, too, to be honest, for being real. Did you not take one? Did you ever take an aptitude test? I don't, not that I can recall. I was super I pumped. I don't think I ever took one. I don't think it was anything I really ever wanted to take. So you'd be Xander in this scene, who thinks yeah. it's dumb and inaccurate. What if Buffy did this test and she got Slayer? What would you do? <laughs> I'd be confused. I, I would be really surprised that that would be, like, an option. <laughs> so Cordelia walks past. She checks off the box, saying she's willing to help her fellow man as long as he's not, you know, smelly or gr- dirty or gross. <laughs> Cordy's such a sass mouth. <laughs> and uh, Xander is a sass mouth line. Cordelia Chase always out to lend a helping hand to the rich and the pretty, and the sickest burn responds, which lucky me excludes you twice. <laughs> this is like Xander is so bitter. <laughs> It's beautiful. This like everything they say to each other like is should be followed by a finger snap, at least one finger snap. 
Everything, I don't know. It should be like the Z. Yeah, the, the Z snap. The, is, oh, no, you didn't. The Z snap. <laughs> <laughs> this is Canada. Or like steam rising from all the tension between the two of them. <laughs> More or less. Xander asks, is murder always a crime? <laughs> and uh, Buffy's concerned because there's a question about shrubs on the test. Willow's down with the, sh- the shrubness, but Buffy doesn't know what she should check. Which, you know, why is that a question? Yeah, I don't know what I would check. Why that. is that question so confusing to Buffy is what I'm kind of wondering. I mean, it, What's your opinion shrub- on shrubs, Meg? If I don't have to, like maintain them i have no problems but if it comes to me having to do yard work i'm like yeah i don't think so that's why it's confusing because it doesn't specify <laughs> i guess i just have no opinion on shrubs maybe that's where buffy's coming from but i have, buffy doesn't want even want to take the test her fate's sealed she doesn't she's not she's not down she's I mean, she, she's a slayer <laughs> can you blame her though i mean absolutely can why? But why? Why would she even bother taking the test? Like, let's find out that she could be something really incredible if she didn't have this calling that is going to suck up her entire life. Maybe she'll get school librarian. I want to be a librarian. <laughs> Sorry, that's like that's like a weird dream of mine. Mostly because I just want to sit around and read books. So I'd want to be a librarian in a really um, dead town. Dead Town and a Ghost Town Library. Yes. <laughs> uh, elsewhere in some creepy cave somewhere, Drusilla is dealing some tarot cards. And yeah, it's pronounced tarot. I actually I Googled it. If you're wondering, well, I figured it's pronounced tarot, but everyone says tarot or tarot. Who says tarot? Tarot or tarot? People, I've heard it so many. I hear tarot cards a lot, and it's tarot. It's so it's tarot. I've like, never heard it anything but tarot. It must be Canadian. <laughs> it, it's possible but uh spike's got some pencil pusher vamp dalton trying to translate uh the book he stole from well last... the book that a vampire stole yeah that uh buffy stunt double stole last episode or two episodes back i think that's kind of a cool tie back yeah it, well i feel bad for that poor transcriber he gets yeah. like five minutes to fix everything which is... i feel and also the fact that he he was sired, and so now like he needs to spend an eternity with like poor eyesight. He has he's glasses. <laughs> he's a vampire that he needs to spend. The, if only he, he could have been sired in the time of LASIK. <laughs> well, why is he's he? One of the few vampires actually across the whole Buffyverse that does wear glasses. Maybe he wears them for appearance. Uh, I I thought that I thought maybe he wears it for appearance because I know we do see at least one vampire who has so, glasses and then loses them once he becomes he's a, vamp. a hipster vampire. Uh, but Angel does confirm in one episode uh, somewhere down the line that vampires who need glasses before they're sired do need glasses after they're sired as well. Oh, yeah. well I wonder he... if he also wears loafers with no socks <laughs> and scarves ironically or sandals with socks. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so why is this guy in vamp face anyway? Like, he's just sitting there do- transcribing. Like, is it so we don't think he's human right off the bat? So we're not confused? Because he doesn't need to be in vamp face. We're being real here. <laughs> Maybe he's like a chinchilla and just always scared. And instead of losing his hair, he just is always vamped. That's fair. Or he could be, like, of the school of, like, the Order of Aurelius. And they're like, you know, this is our true form. 
Or this poor dude, the actor, just was going to be there for one day, and they figured, eh, let's just film it all in vamp face, because that's a lot of makeup work. <laughs> but he inaccurately translates it to debased the beef canoe. Inaccurate. So Spike smacks him up a little, because he's not happy with that, with that uh, answer. <laughs> and Drew wants to dance, so Spike has to yell at her. And then she does that weird little whimper thing that she keeps doing lately. She's kind of like... You know, well, poor Spike, that... That Slayer is ruining all of his plans. <laughs> I love that he takes it as this personal insult. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, why can't you just leave me alone? Spike is like full on teenage girl right now. And he's super like penis. whipped by Drusilla too. She's super needy. But they're trying to translate a cure for Drew. That's what they're trying to do. And as far as I know, though, she was only lynched in Prague. And so was Spike. So why is she... Why can't she just heal up normal like he did? Yeah, vampires, like, they have super rapid healing abilities. So why is she still not okay? <laughs> well, you know, she was, like, tormented before. Yeah. I mean, she yeah. was a couple cards short of a deck before the lynching thing even happened. Tarot cards? Possibly. Yes. She's a couple tarot cards. Whatever is calm and reasonable tarot cards are missing from her deck. Well before she ever got lynched or turned, so she's got some PTSD. She just needs some Valium and therapy. I think she'll be fine. I noticed for the first time she's got bruises all over her arm. Which is cool makeup work. Like I didn't even think I wouldn't have even thought to do that. I noticed that and I didn't think it was makeup work. I was like, oh, why does Juliet have bruises? <laughs> I kind of ship it, just a little bit. Because they're, they're, they're f***ed up. But I, I kind of like, I can see it. I'm down I with it. I actually really love their relationship. It's so twisted and so codependent, but it's really entertaining to watch. The two of them, like, play off each other's, insecu- not even insecurities, but their just neediness. It constantly. feels like it'd be, like, one of those, like, those, like, heartwarming news things where they're, like, He's helping out this, you know, he stayed in a relationship with her despite her disability, you know. Like, <laughs> I think it's closer to, like, Sid and Nancy with yeah, the two of them. Absolutely. They're like, I think we did actually say that in the first time they appeared. We called them the Sid and Nancy. Yeah. But, I love it. I like me some crazy. <laughs> Dalton says that this isn't even in Latin. He doesn't know what it is, but it's not even a language. Uh, and so Spike, which is actually, it's short for Spikel, by the way. I don't know if you knew. Spikel? <laughs> Not true, by the way, <laughs> listeners. I was going to say, wait a minute, we learn how he gets his name. <laughs> we know his name's William by this point. <laughs> Spike goes to rough him up a bit, but Drew says, don't do it, man, yo. It's a code, and you don't have the, he doesn't have the key, you can't hurt him. I should have more crazy <laughs> than that, but... Spike say. also says, he's like, well, then make it a language. Isn't that what transcribers do? Which, absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> yeah, Drusilla, she may be crazy, but she's the smartest in this room. She's got the tarot cards. <laughs> but she points to one, and it, that's where the key is. I don't know what it's supposed to be. A mausoleum, I think. It's a mausoleum. Mm-hmm. And so Spike's so happy that they finally dance, sort of. Spin a little. <laughs> and then theme song. Now, as far as Cold Open goes, that one's not... You know, it's, a good, it's good, but only if you've seen the show. It's not like a... This will get me interested in the show. Like, it makes no sense if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think, as far as our podcast, I think iRobot had a much better uh, cold open. Yeah, 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 (laughs) iRobot. Just as far as the whole um, 
being like a standalone episode. Yeah, this one feels like it's very like jumping like, like we don't got time to waste like story right off the bat. Like yeah. hit you with some exposition some season some season long arc season long arc right off the bat. Exactly. After the theme song, Buffy's walking through a graveyard, something that's actually never happened yet in the show. Really? Oh really? You guys are just taking my deadpan jokes, so Well You're just gonna keep just keep Just a few episodes back. They said patrol for the first time like two episodes ago. <laughs> it's been a while since I've watched more Buffy episodes. I've been burning through other TV shows like crazy lately, so. <laughs> but, uh, Buffy stops on a mausoleum crypty thing because she hears some hammering, a little bit of tinkering. Dude's just casually chiseling away at a mausoleum. <laughs> she opens it up and sees Dalton just chiseling away, and I like how. She just turns around and waits for him because she realizes just by looking at him, this dude's one pathetic vamp. I don't even have to go in and stop him. He's a total hipster vamp. <laughs> so, yeah, she doesn't even confront him. She just waits for him. He comes out. Does rest in peace have no sanctity for you people? Oh, wait, wait you're not people. Yeah. And then a big vamp comes up behind her. He tried to be sneaky. He didn't do a good job because she dusts know. him pretty easy. During their fight, you can totally see behind her and Dalton's just already instantly gone <laughs> like as, as soon as this guy shows up that guy's just missing but i'm still not liking these dust effects even in season two it's i thought this one wasn't bad actually it's, it's better almost... but not bad not good it's a very <laughs> death count of one one for the episode are we gonna carry over the dusting since it's a two-parter and it's got the same name or are we just gonna it's two different separate? episodes all right so I don't know. I think it's one big arc. I feel like it should it's all... One, the whole season's one big arc. <laughs> That's fair. Well, you know what I mean. I'll casually mention it. Whatever. It's your guys' cast. No. <laughs> <laughs> so one down, one gone. Dalton has run off. <laughs> if it was between being, like, dusted and not, I, I'm I on feel... Dalton's side here. I'm Team Dalton. And also, like, that one Starbucks in Sunnydale is going to close soon. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to work on his manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> when a Buffy sneaks back in through her own bedroom window and sees Angel just lurking, just, just creeping in there, just he's checking the out her stuff. <laughs> Angel is the king and father of the brooding vamp. But she like, makes like extra noise so he notices, which like, is really funny. Isn't he supposed to have super senses? <laughs> Shouldn't he have heard her heart beating like three blocks away? But he's uh, busy hugging a stuffy because she spooked him. Just stopping by for some quality time with Mr. Gordo? <laughs> what? The pig. First appearance, by the way. Thanks, Marty. Who played Mr. Gordo? We should <laughs> do a little, a, a brief little introduction. You had me super confused. I'm sorry. My husband's name is Marty, so. <laughs> really Marty confused. wrote this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see Angel's <laughs> reflection here in a mirror in the background. Yeah, I noticed just that. Just for a sec. And then, but later, when he sits by a bigger mirror, they remembered to cut it out. In the same scene, you both see him in a mirror, and they establish for probably the first time that you can't see him in mirrors. Or one of the first times. Oh, they've established that quite a bit. But yeah, Buffy tells Angel he don't got a whisper because her mom's in L.A. till Thursday. Yeah, she snuck in through the window. Yeah, he's, why'd you come in through the window? Habit. <laughs> Angel irritates the crap out of me in this scene. I'm not going to lie. Wouldn't you do that to somebody that you care about? <laughs> Break into their house and just stand there. With their well, stuffed pig. 
it just drove me crazy how Angel seems to think all of Buffy's problems are because of him. <laughs> they got a pretty toxic relationship, if we're being real. I ship them, but they're not good. But uh, yeah, he he only came over because he had a bad feeling, and Buffy kind of gets gets grouchy at him a bit, but she apologizes. She's been cranky miss all week. But uh, <laughs> and she says it's been a whole week of what's my line, only I don't get to play. So take a shot because there's the episode name. Woohoo! And pause here for Meg to take a real shot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so Buffy reveals the huge shocker that she just wants. A normal life and i have to preface or close this off by telling you that that was a joke because you guys don't catch on this week <laughs> and then angel says before me oh angel yeah it's all about you <laughs> it's before you angel you know angel there's a whole movie before you <laughs> <laughs> not in my mind <laughs> not according to the comics he's He's always been there. <laughs> but he's the one freaky thing in Buffy's whole freaky life that makes some freaky sense. Buffy says, I wish we could just be regular kids. And Angel, of course, happy guy he is. I'll never be a kid. But and she's like, well, fine. Then a regular kid and her cradle-robbing boy, <laughs> creature of the night boyfriend. <laughs> he, uh, and that, uh, I, I always thought that was really weird, actually, with vampires. These guys are like 200, like Angel's 200 and what, 40 years old? Something like that, yeah. Something around there. Why are they hanging out with 16-year-old girls? Yeah, I know. You, like, they have the wisdom of someone who's been around for 240 years. You know that teenagers you just stay away from? I'm, I'm in my early 20s, and I'm annoyed with teenagers now. Right, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine in like if I were a vampire in like two hundred two hundred years, be like, yeah, I'm gonna go back to high school because that was an awesome experience. <laughs> Angel finds a little tiny picture, a little tiny SMG just skating, cute. Do you think that actually is Sarah? Probably. Yeah, Probably. I think so. She's definitely a skater. <laughs> she is. Yeah, um, Sarah Michelle Geller is a big skater. That was her skating. Uh, and Julie Benz, rest in peace, Darla, was actually one of the best skaters in the U.S. for a time. But uh, Buffy says this is her Dorothy Hamill phase because she used to have Dorothy everything, haircut, posters, probably plushies, which, man, kids were pretty weird before Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> My Dorothy phase was Wizard of Oz when I was a kid. Cute. Yeah. That was a little before your time. <laughs> There's no rule that says you can only like stuff that comes out when you're alive. Did it come out when you were alive? 39? Yes, yes 1939. <laughs> I was there opening week. <laughs> you guys are butts. <laughs> but Angel suggests he's going to take Buffy out skating again because there's a rink that's closed Tuesdays, which tomorrow's Tuesday. Why can't, why can't they go when it's open? I mean, if it's open at night... That's fair. Just chill out, Meg. It's romantic and sweet, okay? It's super romantic. <laughs> it's like Marty saying, hey, the library is closed. Do you want to break in? <laughs> I'd be like, no, that's illegal, you weirdo. <laughs> it's romantic. I know you're all, your team, what is it, Bangel? Oh, yeah. You're all for, you're all about Team Angel, but well, that's I don't the thing. I, I'm for them. I'm for Buffy and Angel, but I feel like they have a very toxic and bad relationship. I feel like they, they are very clingy and they're very jealous and it represents a lot of relationships that people around this age would have. So that's why a lot of people do like them because it represents something they went through. I wouldn't say that they should stay together forever because it's kind no. of a toxic first relationship that everyone needs to have. They do have some great 
great moments in the relationship, but it's like by its very nature, it's a shitty relationship that can't last. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Even if he wasn't a vamp, it's super creepy because he's like 26, right? He's Some frozen in 26. He was 26 in the 1800s. <laughs> in the 1700s. That's yeah. He's like French Rena- uh, French Revolution era, I think. That was probably 1800s. earlier than that. But either way, even if he wasn't, and he's 26 and she's 16, that's still so gross. But I, I, I don't know. I have issues with with relationships like this. I can't get behind Angel and Buffy just because. I don't like the idea that people think it's romantic for dudes to stalk chicks. <laughs> You're so old fashioned. I am super old fashioned <laughs> where I feel like I'd be upset that someone broke into my house while I wasn't there. Wow, boring and, much. Like molested all my stuff. In the nineties, breaking into a girl's house is like the equivalent of right swiping today. <laughs> but uh, later Cordelia and Xander are checking their names out on the list posted outside. Cordelia gets a personal shopper or motivational speaker, which sounds about right. I could see her doing either one of those. I guess, what would she speak about? Motivational things. <laughs> she is, Who would she, is, she motivate? Me. Motivational speakers always come from, like, like I've had a hard life, but here is how I turn my life around and how you can do it, too. What did she Or they're just from? shysters. <laughs> yeah, well, now she's like, I've had a great life, and here's how you can do it, too. <laughs> be born be rich. rich be me <laughs> I'd, I'd see it but uh she peeks at Xander's and laughs and he's stressing I like how they look they went through all the trouble to post the lists in a spot where they didn't have to move the camera like Cordy looks at A to D for her name and H to K for Xander's name but they're not you know the other lists are on like the other side so that was just convenient and accurate. They had to keep it accurate, but convenient. Thanks, Marty. Damn it. Stop saying Marty. <laughs> Willow thinks it's sweet that Angel and Buffy are going skating. We don't find out what Xander got, by the way. And there's been minimal vamptivity lately, so it's the perfect time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, there's an extra in the background I noticed that looked a lot like Riff Regan here. And that's really depressing if it is her. <laughs> I feel really bad for her. <laughs> Ends up being an extra... <laughs> what with a scene with Allison Hannigan? I don't just, know why, but I think that would just be the best thing ever. Just Allison Hannigan's reading her lines, and you just see this extra just staring at her, crying. <laughs> but that would fit right in with high school, though. In my, there's career. always some girl crying somewhere. And it's like they focus on her. It's like, would you get on your career app to do ten? She's a crying actress. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Xander got corrections officer, he reveals, and Buffy got police officer, which... Didn't Xander get, like, prison guard? Prison guard. Maybe I got it backwards. But uh, Buffy got police officer, she'll jump off that bridge when she gets to it. I don't understand why she's surprised that she got it. Yeah, there's more or less what she already does. Except, well, I mean, she's like an executioner right now, so I feel <laughs> like the cop is a step up. But the thing is, I don't feel... I feel that this is absolutely not something she'd be suited for because she doesn't slay vampires because she like because she wants to this is something she's forced to do it and everything about her personality screams this is not her and then she got to do it anyway might as and well then she got police officer it's like except her super strong moral code and her that's true but like everything about this episode and the you know the second part of it is all about how 
being a slayer, you know, the, is like just how Buffy is so like not the embodiment of the slayer. She is not, you know, the buy the book, do everything right, which is kind of what you'd expect for someone that'd get police officer. Well, I feel like I feel like if she had taken that aptitude test or whatever, like three years prior, she would have gotten something entirely different. But where her mentality and her mindset is right now, the way she answers the question would totally change. Because you change. I mean, people change as they get older and get more experiences. Summers, you're off the force. Turn in your stick. Turn in your badge. <laughs> she says first, she has, before she worries about this police business, she has to go deal with Giles, who's on a Tony Robbins hyper-efficiency kick, who's a life coach like Cordy. So yeah, Buffy has to go check in with Giles. And meanwhile, Willow wants to know what she got, but she ain't showing. She uh, she even used a number two pencil and handed in her test, but she's not even on there. Curiouser and curiouser. She passed. All right, listeners, looks like we lost Clairvoyant. Dropped off the call. What a nerd. We're going to push through until he's Shocking back. Shocking he didn't see it coming. Well, I'm sure he did. He was just waiting. <laughs> and right now he probably knows what we're saying, too. So... <laughs> Well, just push through until he's back. So he's going to be quiet for a bit. Sorry. Hope you don't cry too hard. I'm going to weep, actually. So it's going to be a really awkward podcast. <laughs> but in the library, uh, <laughs> Giles sits down an ungodly stack of books. And I thought they were glued together because I, I could never balance anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I I see. I, I This is my book nerdiness. I saw all those books and I just got really excited. <laughs> But they aren't even glued together because they almost topple and Buffy has to catch them. And what if, like, what if they didn't get that first take? That sucks. How many takes did it did? How many takes did it take? I got, it. <laughs> <laughs> I got things working. <laughs> but, uh, Giles tells her that he's been indexing Watcher's diaries. I thought they scanned all these books into the computer system. Yeah, they gave up. They know what happened last time. After, after the demon possession. So like maybe let's skip the demonology books when we scan. <laughs> right. Well, I guess. It, well, I guess Giles hates computers anyway. So. Yeah. I guess it would make sense that even if they did scan it, that he would still look at the hard, the hard copies. <laughs> and he said, "You'd be amazing at how long-winded and pompous some of these watches are." Color Buffy stunned. Buffy is Buffy is sassy in this episode. Yeah, she says how she got two vamps out stealing. It perplexes Giles. Uh, but Buffy, now your tools, flashlight, the whole nine yards. She goes on a little Meg-style tangent, wondering uh, nine yards of what? Yeah, where did nine yards? It's going to bug her all day. But fun fact, nobody actually knows for sure. Nobody knows what that term means. It's likely military, but nobody really knows the etymology of where it came from. I thought it was football. That's uh-huh. also likely. But Giles is wondering what the vampire could have even took, took in. And he's not happy that Buffy wasn't thorough enough. Which she tells him to have a cow, which is obviously a Simpsons reference. Well, what did he expect her to do? Yeah, like, why didn't you uh, take inventory of what was missing? Well, what? I mean, like, how would she even... I, it's like, oh, yeah, let me just go and look in this mausoleum and see what might have been there and then decide what I should be looking for. And uh, she <laughs> snaps back, if you don't like the way I'm doing my job, why don't you find somebody else? And then, Oh, wait, you can't, because there can only be one while I'm still alive. Sure. Super sassy. <laughs> She's, she took her snarkies, that's for sure. <laughs> Ate her snarkios this morning. Mm-hmm. But... 
She's like, well, it doesn't matter if I'm dead, because either way, I'm bored, restricted, can't shop, and my hair and fingernails continue to grow, which is a, not even true. It's a myth, and it bugs me whenever people say it. I'm really sad to hear that, because I was hoping I could get some nice, luscious locks after I'm dead. <laughs> no, the thing is, you start to dehydrate, and your skin kind of pulls back, so it looks like they're growing to a certain point until you're too shriveled for them to grow anymore. Yes! <laughs> So you, they grow a little bit. Whatever was going to grow already. Giles says, our only concern is to discover what was stolen right now. None of that says. And meanwhile, we do see what it was. We cut to Spike and Drew. It's some sort of golden cross. And very ornate. Yeah, pretty. I feel like this might be important. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Spike goes on about how they're going to party. Like it's, I don't know, 1705 when Drew's better. Yeah, and well, they're gonna drink for seven days. And drink blood, or do you think wine? Maybe both. They'll mix it together. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 what do you think about it? The grosser it is. But Spike, once again, pretty upset that Buffy got in the way again. So they're gonna have to do something about it for good. Those dang kids. <laughs> so <laughs> they gotta bring in the big guns, the Order of Taraka, which is a group of bounty hunters. Maybe that, no, I was going to say that should have been my job for career fair, but I'm too lazy to hunt bounty. A bounty hunter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so that's a cool idea. A group of Slayer bounty hunters. So thanks, Marty. The Taraka. And Drew pulls out three cards. Cyclops, the insect, and the jaguar, which represent the assassins. Dalton says, isn't that overkill? And Spike says, it's just the right amount of kill. Ooh. Ooh, Spike's feeling saucy and snarky, too. But uh, at the career fair later, Xander jokes that Willow she doesn't even have to be there. She defies category. I <laughs> This whole little weird thing that happens at the career fair is just we it weird to me, actually. I mean, well, Snyder is there, actually. I Every time I see Snyder, I wish that he was the one eaten. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He's taking no bullshit from anybody. But the whole thing with Willow when she goes to the career fair and she gets pulled aside by these dudes in suits. Yeah. And she goes and they pull her like behind this curtain to this special area that they've blocked off where apparently she gets served champagne and canapes. Which I don't know what they are. If I'm, you know, maybe I'm uncultured. Last week I didn't know what Zidi was. And this we got what Zidi can- was? Is this like a normal thing? Is this an American delicacy? <laughs> Zidi's delicious. But canapes are like little tea sandwiches, I guess. They look shrimpy. They're okay. I mean, <laughs> but they're like, I don't know. It's not something that people make or eat or anything now, but they're kind of like weird waspy appetizers, I guess. Waspy. I like just before <laughs> Willow gets pulled into the secret area, they kind of get some barbs at uh, at Snyder, whereas Ando says that he's done such a good job here that he wants to go to Princeling School. He's like, walk a, <laughs> walk a mile in your shoes. Not your actual shoes, because you're a tiny person. <laughs> I, like, I did love that. I, I love when Xander gets sassy. That's like the word of the episode, I think. Sassy? Is sassy. Everyone is feeling their snark. But Snyder says that he doesn't want to just hear that Buffy's around here somewhere. He's just like, he's sick of it. And that everything Xander says is an airborne toxic event. 
which is a reference to the novel White Noise, which I'm sure you've read because you're Mac. <laughs> I have not read White Noise, actually. Back at the Gestapo, Willow's being talked to... Did you just say the Gestapo? I did. Yeah, their CEO's jet was delayed by fog at SeaTac, but he'll be here soon. And some software firm, they're all crazy selective. They're probably based on Apple. They're getting ready for Y2K, yo. And uh, only one other Sunnydale student met the criteria, and she turns around and it's Oz. And I was so happy. I got, like, shivers Oh, I, goosebumps. I got so excited to I see Oz. I cried for two hours. <laughs> well, I love that they're like, yeah, this is, like, a super exclusive thing, and it's really, really super-duper selective, but there are two people at this high school who match the criteria. Yeah, I got way too excited. She sits next to him, and, like, after all these near misses and who is that girl, like, thank you, Marty. (laughs) It's going to be a thing this episode. Thank you for getting them in a room together and interacting. It's beautiful. I love Oz. Yeah, thank you, Marty Noxon is a recurring theme this episode of Whedonverse Podcast. (laughs) Sassy sassy Marty Noxon. The song playing here is Spring by Vivaldi. But Oz doesn't even seem to notice. He's so interested in his canopy at first. And he notices and awkwardly kind of offers her some. <laughs> He's got, I like how he has the entire, like, server's platter. He's just kind of inspecting it like, whoa, man. It's like it's like the waiter, like this white glove service waiter just handed him the plate and goes, man, I got to go have a smoke. <laughs> and he's just like, whoa, canopy. <laughs> Later, Giles is chasing Buffy to the mausoleum. She's going way too fast. She's all pissed. He's kind of out of breath. He tries to say there was just constructive criticism, but she he ain't having it. She's not happy. She didn't pick this gig. She's the picked. The picked. <laughs> picked fans. The chosen one. The funny thing, though, the, what I took away from this episode when she walked away was that um, her skirt was too short and I'm old. <laughs> oh, no. Because I saw her walking away, I was like, that's a really, really short skirt. And then I thought, oh, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) I got really disappointed with myself. (laughs) But, yeah, once you start agreeing with Giles, that's when you know you you got old. (laughs) But I really, I really hit middle age a little early. (laughs) But uh, Giles says that he hopes she can get a real job because he got a librarian job. Sick gig. And, it's a great gig. Are you kidding? <laughs> and Bobby says it's one thing to be watching a librarian. They go together like chicken and another chicken. Two chickens. <laughs> I don't know, Buffy. Matt Murdock's a lawyer by day and daredevil by night. So maybe you could work something out. She could be super Buffy. <laughs> but uh, Giles <laughs> suggests law enforcement, which, like, is Buffy off. But... You know, why is every every time law enforcement's mentioned, she gets mad. And it's like, that's a decent option for you. Good a suggestion as any. If you think about 16-year-olds, though, I mean, did you, were you all like, yay, cops, when you were in high school? I think her being surprised that she got cop is weirder than her being upset that she got cop. Yeah, I guess. But they find that the crypt, the mausoleum that they go into, is the crypt of Josephus Dulac. So they know that something that was stolen was of religious significance, but they don't know what. Which, same thing. I don't know why Giles expected Buffy to know. A mathematician and a theologian, right? Something like that? Back. He's back! Ladies and gentlemen, the clairvoyant is back. Yeah, the last thing I remember is I was going to make a joke about Giles having a stack of all my copies of Les Miserables, and then I was going to tell a funny anecdote 
about my adventures of trying to find out where the whole nine yards came from. And then I got excited, I guess, and I phased into a Lovecraftian dimension filled with eldritch horrors that you could you can't even comprehend. And so I battled those demons, and now I'm back here to talk about these ones. You wrote that in, like, the ten minutes you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> We've moved on, Clairvoy. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're already trying to figure out what was stolen from Josephus Dulac's tomb. But uh, the book that the vamp stole back in Lie to Me was written by Dulac. So I love the tie-in there. This stuff kills me. Every time I see things where it's like a book was stolen or something that is like, this book could end the world if the right per- if it got into the wrong hands. I'm like, why don't why do you keep these books around? <laughs> That's not what's going through your head. What's going through your head is I want that book. <laughs> these are some of the best earlier examples of like a long term season plan. Like t- stealing something a few episodes back that ties into this episode. That they didn't touch on for a bit. Like, they left it alone for a little while. I like that. Yeah. And I was confused when it happened. <laughs> I thought it would be addressed that episode, and it wasn't. <laughs> and, uh, they find that this book contains rituals and spells to create evil. See, why would you keep this book? <laughs> <laughs> but it's written in some old Latin. This is why I'm it. Because it was written in old Latin that only sect members can read. Or Giles is concerned that they stole some sort of key. To help them read it, which is true. Well, Jaws says something's coming and it's not good. So speak of the Cyclops. Uh, at the bus giant, at the bus stop, a giant steps down. It's Jason Momoa. Uh, he's... Is that Jason Momoa? <laughs> it's not Jason Momoa. <laughs> if it was Jason Momoa, I'm like I have to reevaluate how I feel about this curly-haired freak. <laughs> he's got one scarred and blind eye, which makes him a Cyclops. And he gets off at the Sunnydale bus stop. And elsewhere. Some sleazy door-to-door salesman type dude. He like kind of peeps on Buffy's house as he walks past, and then he he goes to her neighbors instead. Mrs. Kalish is her name, Kalish maybe. I don't know, but he introduces himself as Norman Fister, which sucks, <laughs> man. Yeah, I'm. I'm it, the P is silent, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm way more entertained by that than his warrants. <laughs> uh, he's with blush beautiful skin care. Norman Fister with blush beautiful skin care. Which instantly makes him an insect. <laughs> well, you know what I actually really love is that how smart this insect was. Who is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a makeup salesman because those chicks, free samples and chicks will let him in anywhere. Yeah, he's not <laughs> selling. He just wants to get free samples, which is the first trick in the sales book, man. It's but, just uh, a free sample. Let me come clean your carpets and try and sell you on a $4,000 vacuum cleaner. But um, <laughs> This guy feels like he has no soul. Like he feels really empty inside. Like what an insect of a man. Mm. I'm a salesman, so I take offense. <laughs> but uh, once he gets inside, Kalish screams. <laughs> Kalish, maybe. And I didn't know that wasn't him. <laughs> and meanwhile... She didn't like the samples, okay? Jeez. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile... <laughs> A plane lands at the airport. Something's rustling around the cargo bay. And a, a sassy Jamaican woman kicks the hell out of some hapless employee that didn't deserve it. And then uh, she creeps around the corner like some sort of jaguar. Ooh. Mm. So they're all here. Also, what's weird is that plane hanger, they reused it in a creative way in that they turned it upside down and made it a sewer set later. 
Yeah. The sand yeah, was I reused. Yeah, I thought that was actually really interesting. At the library, Willow asks Giles if he's sure that the vampire Buffy slayed last night, so many names here, is connected to this whole thievery. And she's like, or is it, is it Slate or is it Slew? And then Giles comes up. Both are correct, actually, which thanks, Marty, for the tip. You missed it, Clairvoyant, but thanks, Marty, is a thing now. We've been thanking her endlessly this episode. So Dulac is known for inventing the Dulac Cross, which Sanders, you know, thinks that's a dumb name. He says Isn't the cross- that the name of the town from Shrek? Yes. Shh. Don't even say it. <laughs> But Xander uh, said he'd name it the Crossomatic or like Amazing Mr. Cross. And if it was me, I'd probably go with the Cross Inverse Pod Cross. I'm not an original man. <laughs> <laughs> I would call it this totally useless, don't bother with it at all, Cross. Because <laughs> no one would want it. <laughs> Giles figures it's some sort of decoder ring of sorts. So D-Lock destroyed every one of these crosses except for the one buried with him, which is the one that was stolen. And Giles says they're going to have to be here all night and figure out what happens next in the books for the vamps, which every time Buffy has plans, every time something goes wrong. So she bails. So she should stop having plans. Maybe she should just accept her fate and stop trying to be a normal person. (laughs) You guys are on the wrong team, I think. Buckle down, Buffy. <laughs> but uh, Willow and Buffy somehow, somehow successfully convinced Giles that it'd be better if Buffy wasn't there. I feel like Buffy just says, F this, I'm out. out <laughs> and still. Giles doesn't have much of a choice. You know, the film student in me is kind of hurting that we ignored a bit a little earlier. Uh, the scream turning into like the squeal of the plane. That's that was true. just like straight like out of Lawrence of Arabia. And it was a beautiful transition. That hurts that we ignored that. So Buffy goes. And at the rink, Sarah's doing her own skating. She's really good. Beautiful skating. Better than I I am. I'm not going to lie. When we got to this scene with her skating, I felt like I'd fallen into a Lifetime movie of the week. (laughs) I felt like this entire scene was written to show off. They found out, oh, Sarah has a talent. And so... (laughs) It felt like it felt so weird and out of place for me in the entire episode. It's a montage of her. I blame the Shans, uh, Murray and Clement, because I feel like they tried it, way too hard to be Christoph Beck, and they don't know how. It just pulled me out entirely. I remember I watched it, and I was like, "Okay," and it it and that was actually what I literally thought was this is a lifetime movie based on a Nora Roberts book. <laughs> but, uh, um. <laughs> As Buffy skates, the Cyclops is peeping, and she falls and is immediately choked out by him, which is quick. He didn't waste any time. He's got a job to do. But uh, Angel, with his good timing, comes out of nowhere and fights the hell out of old old (laughs) One-Eye. I'm sure it's the makeup, but Angel looks really pale here in Vamp Face. I like it. It's a good touch. He's a vampire. He's a vampire. I know, but you, you don't think about that stuff. What do you mean you don't think about that stuff? That's like the big rule of vampirism other than drink blood is stay out of the sun. This ain't Twilight. He won't glitter. Yeah, but it's not like they go in every scene and powder him down white. Like, I don't even know why you noticed this. I know why this was some big like, revelation. Oh my god, the vampire's Just complimenting face. complimenting the makeup lady. 
But uh, Buffy poisons herself and then just straight up slits the dude's throat with a skate, which is raw. This is a human being. He's a human being. I looked into it, and he is not a demon. This is the second time she's done this, too. She's totally threw a dude into a hyena pit. She's yeah, cold-blooded. Human death count of one, and Buffy's officially a f***ed up killer. She's I a murderer. I feel like she should be grateful that she sharpened her skates before doing her big routine. Now, Why is she running around skating for what seems like three hours before Angel even gets there? No one ever makes a big deal about this, that it was a human being. They're just like, eh. It's an assassin, though. It's a be killed. But, uh, so elsewhere, Drew turns her Cyclops card face down. She turns him face down and he doesn't bleed at all. No. I know, right? He just got a, his jugular slit. Yeah. All I think was, all I could think was Buffy's gonna ruin the ice in this ice rink and get kicked out and never be able to skate again. But he doesn't bleed anywhere. It's like she, she has, like, she cauterized it with her skates. Basically. I want the Zamboni to come out, though, and just push the body off the ice. <laughs> That's so messed up. But uh, Angel asks her if she knows what the ring means. And she's like, I it killed the Super Bowl champ. And he gets grouchy because everyone's grouchy in this episode. Everyone's sassy and He's, crazy. I'm serious. But the dude's still breathing. I don't know if you noticed. He's not a good actor. Uh, well, I feel like Angel's just done with this crap. He's like, do you not understand what is happening around you? And she goes, I don't care. I just want to skate. But uh, Angel's still got his van face on. He's lisping around it. And he's trying to tell Buffy, like, you gotta get out of here. You don't. You shouldn't have to touch me like this. And uh, you know, in the past, Angel and every other vampire has had no problem switching back and forth between their fa- fan face and not. He's just mm-hmm. so jazzed up. Yeah, is he just so angry he can't get and rid of it? adrenaline is pumping. <laughs> but uh, ignoring that, Buffy takes off her glove and touches him. And I didn't even notice. And, you know, while that's sweet... Let's be real here, Buffy. That's a problem. <laughs> I call BS on that whole, this whole, I don't know. I, I'm i really over the self-hatred of Angel, you know? It's just like, this is what you are. Just just embrace it and, well, do it with some flair, obviously. But uh, yeah, Buffy kisses him straight up in van face. How do you like that, man? She makes out with him. She practically jumps him on the ice. <laughs> and I like how in episode seven, Darla asks Angel... Did you ever think Buffy could kiss your real face? And boom, showed you, Darls. That's why you're dead. <laughs> oh, Darla. But meanwhile, the Jaguar. Jaguar's glaring at this kissing from the shadows. And in the library, Giles says that Angel's freaked out for good reasons because the ring is only worn by the Order of Taraka, which are assassins. assassins. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> I got really excited. And then, uh, <laughs> Xander's like, didn't they win this year's senior bowling tournament? And Giles goes on, their credo is to kill the unwary. And Xander's like, bowling's a hell of a game. <laughs> he says a vicious and game. Giles is like, shut the f*** up, Xander, I'm done with your <laughs> Which, nobody can take a joke this episode. But Xander's got a lot of really fun little one-liners in these two episodes. It feels like in this episode, it's like... It's like, you know, joke about whatever you want, but assassin jokes are off the table. Too far. You went too far. Like anyone like jokes about like oh even if someone like implies this danger isn't that real. It's like what the f- did you say? Giles agrees with Angel that Buffy needs to go, goes to hide somewhere. They said the safest place 
for Buffy right now is to slit her throat. What? Hide her, I said. Well, uh, yeah, these guys have no earthly desires except to kill their bounty. They find a target and they eliminate it, which is pretty cool. And they well, just keep earth- coming. Is it earthly desires or like necessities? Can you catch them while they're having a sandwich or Probably taking not. a nap? No. <laughs> but, uh, you know, whenever one's down, just more come. They're like Hydra. And they just keep coming until the job's done. And each works alone in kind of their own way. Some are human, some aren't. I think that's such a cool idea. Yeah, I wish we got to see more of these guys. You know, splinter cell specialists, just off on their own. Hired at once, but go on their own way. But uh, meanwhile, Fisty is spying on them with maggots all over the floor. The Fister. <laughs> and uh, Buffy's poor neighbor lady's dead, so human death count too. We don't know that. No, we do. She's got maggots crawling out of her sockets. Yeah, she's all dead. Yeah, but I have maggots crawling out of my sockets. <laughs> Granted, I was just in a hell dimension, so... <laughs> But, Take uh, a bath. <laughs> but yeah, Joss says, you won't know who they are till they strike. And then the man uses some of the maggots on the floor and some god-awful CGI to rebuild his he's, arm. He's really not good at blending. It's the worst CG yet, though. It's I don't say I would not say it's the worst yet. I thought Go back and rewatch it. They they form in chunks. It was not good, but it was not the worst CG that we've seen so far. I just rewatched it. I just I like just watched it a couple hours ago. And you guys are judging it by like today's standards of CGI. Of course we are. <laughs> but you can't. But we are. <laughs> but you can't. It was been like eighteen I'm sorry. years. This is not a nineteen ninety seven podcast. <laughs> you're off the show, you're off the force. You're fired. <laughs> but for at least some of this scene they had to use real maggots, like the ones on the floor, and that's so gross. They're not. Ma- are they maggots or are they centipedes? They're mealworms. Mealworms. Mealworms are maggots. So, so everybody's right. But they're not centipedes. So not you. <laughs> <laughs> I said mealworms and centipedes and maggots. I'm pretty sure I'm covered. You're two out of three. They're bugs. <laughs> He's a creepy, weird bug man. At school, Buffy's pretty stressed by everything because everybody's an assassin. That kid with the books, the police lady, the guy combing his hair, like anybody. Is yeah, an she's, just, she's wigging out. She's just looking at everyone. <laughs> I can't trust you. And like Oz even comes up behind her just a little too fast. And she grabs him by the throat. She's like, try it. <laughs> and he's like, Oz. being Oz, he's just super chill about it. He's like, try what? <laughs> you still haven't told me what I should try. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm unclear on what I'm supposed to try. And she just feels <laughs> awful. She walks away. Well, I can't really. I mean, I feel like paranoid Buffy is smart Buffy. When you have a like a league of assassins coming after you, I feel like paranoid is the right choice. <laughs> but I, I strive to be Oz, I think, because he's just so calm about everything. Oh, uh, did I miss the scene with Oz and Willow and Vivaldi? Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, when they're in the weirdest affair ever. Yeah, I love Vivaldi though. That's he's a really good composer. But later that night, Buffy's walking home. She decides to to one eighty, not go. And at the library, the gang's stressing about what to do because they've never seen Buffy like this. Which is a lie because we all saw season two, episode one, where Buffy was the worst she can be. She was a total bitka. I I don't know. Buffy doesn't seem very different than usual in this episode. <laughs> Not even just like season two, episode one, where she gets all it up. <laughs> That's probably not the right phrase. Um, but where she just is way out of her normal personality. Yeah. But 
<clears throat> I mean, I, I'm sorry. An episode does not go by where Buffy doesn't complain about how she wants a normal life. <laughs> so I feel like these guys are all like, Buffy's never been like this before. And it's like, what do you mean? She's like this all the time. <laughs> like Buffy's like this every Tuesday, I swear to God. She's a little jumpier, but that's expected when you have an ancient order of assassins after you. <laughs> but Xander tries to call, and Buffy doesn't answer. And Giles says, maybe Buffy unplugged the phone. And Giles, it's a statistical impossibility for a 16-year-old girl to unplug her phone. <laughs> I love Willow's just little, like, agreeing nod. He's right. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even be scared if I was Buffy. For being real, I'm super tough. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, not if he was Buffy. Like, if he was in Buffy's shoes right now, minus Slayer strength and abilities. Exactly. So back to the episode, Buffy shows up at Angel's underground apartment. It sort of breaks in, I guess. So hey, he did it to her, so it's equally creepily stalking. That means they got a Tinder match. <laughs> <laughs> but he has two ashtrays in his house. So I wonder if they're decorative. I bet they're decorative. He's a great decorator. He doesn't have to worry about lung <laughs> cancer or anything. <laughs> He's a two ashtrays in his house. He's a great decorator. No, look at the background. It's <laughs> nice. She does some wandering, sniffs some of his clothes. Not true. And she ends up just falling asleep on his bed. She's Goldilocks. That's so weird. You're so weird. <laughs> Wait, why is it super weird when she does it, but totally... She doesn't ever come home to Angel sleeping in her bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Angel never comes home to her sleeping in his bed. I'm just saying. it's, it's... <laughs> Maybe Angel does it during the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no kidding. Maybe he just pulls the blinds down while she's in school. <laughs> just hugs Mr. Gordo and just sleep and sleeps there. You never know. But I think it's really weird that everyone is like totally cool and fine. Not not like you guys, but everyone in general is totally cool and fine with the fact that Angel goes to her house and breaks in and just kind of loiters around in her bedroom. Is that weird? As soon as soon as as she does it to him, everyone's like, "Whoa." But uh, at Willie's diner, Willie's sleeping sleeping the floor. Is that a diner? It's supposed to be. Are we going to stretch and call that a diner? At Willie's hole. It's a dive bar. bar. (laughs) But he yells at Angel that they're closed before he realizes it's Angel. And he's super intimidated. And (laughs) Willie's staying away from that whole scene. He's terrified. But Angel's like, sure you are. And I'm taking up sunbathing. Oh, don't be like that. Yeah, come on, Angel. Come on. He's super Italian. And yet... Angel's trying to find out. He's such a scumbag. Yeah, so let's talk about him, because he recurs throughout Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, He's Willie, commonly known as Willie the Snitch. Uh, And he's played by, his name's Severio Guerra. He does does a really good job, though, and he is a reoccurring character. And I just, I, and I think it's a compliment to, to the actor that every time I see him, I'm like, haha, you suck. (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah, Angel's trying to find out if Spike sent the order. Willie ain't playing ball. He even tries to offer him pig's blood that his fence got in, but boom, roughs him up a little. Bad cop Angel. <laughs> Smacks him down onto the counter and poor Willie, he's just like a sleazy underword weasel. Like he doesn't I do just, anything wrong. I just don't take Angel seriously in anything. <laughs> but he Angel says I'm just a little rusty when it comes to killing humans, so it might take a while. 
if it's if I was Willie and I knew Angel and I knew his backstory and Willie obviously does know and he knows that Angel has a soul and all that other stuff, I'd be like, ooh, scary. <laughs> but Willie <laughs> confirms that it was Spike. And then uh, Angel gets knocked out immediately. It's the Jaguar with the pool cue, which she breaks into a stake. And she dies into stake, but boom, commercial break. So thanks, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> She locks him in a cage. Yeah, she goes all crazy trying to stake him. He's just as quick, and they duke it out. Trash poor Willie's whole bar. And uh, then she kicks him into a cage, and he's like, what are you doing? And she just smiles. He's like, oh, you think it's funny? And she locks it. And then she's got the worst Jamaican egg. I think it's funny now. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> I want to talk about this. I have in the past defended her accent, but no, it's in terrible. good consciousness... When if I'm the guy saying, "Wow, Spike's accent doesn't sound anything like an English accent," I can't, in good consciousness, defend this accent. No, this is I'm garbage. Spike's, <laughs> Spike's accent could actually pass for an uh, an English accent. I've been to England and Jamaica, and of the two of them, <laughs> Spike is more. Spike convincing. does a better Jamaican accent. He does, yes. Spike does an amazing Jamaican accent. It's fantastic. Just get a few cocktails in him and he's just crazy. But, but, and, no, yeah. but of the two, I, I would believe Spike's British accent over Bianca Lawson's Terrible. Jamaican. I don't even think it's her fault. I don't understand why they had to make her Jamaican. It's- According to yeah, Marty Noxon on the commentary, she said it was a last-second decision by some of the producers. They thought it'd be fun, and so they brought in a dialect coach the day of, and oh he was God. from this really obscure. He, he's actually Jamaican, the dialect coach, but he, they said he's from this like really obscure place in Jamaica, and he, you know, and so his accent's ridiculous. It's over the top, and Except- she basically says that. If someone from that region heard Bianca, they'd probably think that, oh, yeah, that's what we sound like. But everyone else, like, that's even Bianca and Marty, like, ev- everyone agrees that sounds bad. Like, that's over the top. And it's yeah, not Bianca good. said she hated the accent, hated it. She said she didn't have time to practice. She didn't think it sounded realistic, and she just hated it. And she's ageless. She knows everything. And honestly, she, honestly, I don't even be, I don't even blame Bianca Lawson for it, but. I don't understand. I don't understand the choice to make her Jamaican if they didn't have enough prep time. Happy birthday to Bianca Lawson. It's her birthday as we record this. She's thirty-six. Oh, happy birthday! Yeah, she's also ageless. If you've ever seen her recently. Yeah, well, she looks the exact same now, but she's beautiful. I'm an accent nitpicker, and I think this is disgusting. <laughs> this is a disgusting accent. But she says the sun will be coming up in a few hours. More than enough time to find your girlfriend. And the Find window's pointing right at Angel, <laughs> and he'll fry come morning if he if he doesn't get out of there. And at the library later, so Angel's trapped. <laughs> at the library later, Giles calls Xander, has him go to Buffy's to check on her. I don't know, get Cordelia to drive you. <laughs> oh, Cordy. And then Giles comes back out, and Willow's sleeping on the keyboard, which is so cute. And she's don't run the tadpoles, and uh, she's explained she has frog fear, which is what? actually Renita phobia. And also not true, because we see her dissect a frog in Witch. And plays with a frog toy in Inca Mummy Girl. Well, would it really be frog fear if she's cutting it open? I feel like that would be cathartic for her. <laughs> but if jo- I had a chance to like slice open something I was afraid of, I'd be all over it. 
But Giles <laughs> thinks that he found something. He found a description in the manuscript, and it's a ritual to restore a weak vampire back to full health. So for once, Giles actually figured out the plot all by himself. <laughs> oh, Oh, poor Giles. (laughs) So, speaking of segues, Spike reads the newest translation, and by George, I think he's got it. Oh, which is from My Fair Lady. He goes to tell Drew, and she said it was right in front of them the whole time, and she kind of puts his hand on some tarot card. I don't know what. A falling angel, maybe? It's an angel. And uh, elsewhere, Cordy's at Xander that they have to go to Buffy's house. And pay close attention to the windows by the front door. Because there's a reason I'm telling you. There's stained glass right now. And this, because this was filmed on location at the actual house in California. So pay attention because we'll come back to this. And Xander tells Cordelia that if she wants to be a member of the Scooby gang, she has to be willing to be inconvenienced every now and then. Which is fantastic because that's the first time they say Scooby gang on the show. Though I've been saying it for months. <laughs> you kids. <laughs> but yeah, fans didn't catch on to Slayerettes, but they caught on to like wildfire with that name. Why would they do Slayerettes? There are men. <laughs> yeah, it didn't catch. <laughs> Xander breaks into Buffy's house and unlocks the door because Buffy might be in trouble. And Cordelia is super sassy. Like, what are you going to do about it? You're the lameness and she's super chick. <laughs> when did when did Xander become proficient in picking locks is what I want to know. <laughs> Because he opens that door, he opens that door in like no time. I bet it's his military experience. Because I'm pretty sure Buffy's paranoid weirdo self right now would not leave her door unlocked. <laughs> and she's he's like, at least I'm the lameness who cares, <laughs> which is more than I can say about you. And he goes once inside, he's looking upstairs because he's calling Buffy nothing. And there's a knock on the door, and Cordy goes to check, and oh no, it's the Fister. No, he's a makeup salesman with free samples. So no, damn it, Cordelia. <laughs> as soon as you, I see him, I'm like, he's going to say free. He's going to say cosmetics and she's going to let him in. And he, she does. He reminds me of that guy from Jurassic Park. Except like, <laughs> if he lost a lot of weight. But elsewhere, the sun's almost up. And Angel's trying to get out of his cage of willies. He can't. And all our main guys are in danger. This is spooky. Buffy's still conked out at Angel's. She wakes up just in time to dodge a hatchet to the face. Just in time. It's good timing. And she fights the Jaguar, and she's like, you must be number two. And they're, they're getting, they're fighting. Jaguar's getting the upper hand. But Buffy fights a little dirty. She, like, scratches her hand. <laughs> she asks, like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Kendra, the Vampire Slayer. And boom, episode end. I'm Kendra, the Vampires. <laughs> like, I love that twist right at the end. Like, the fact that she's not the assassin. And, mm-hmm. like, Super tense that it ends with everybody in trouble. Everybody, except for Giles. The line, like, yeah. you must be number two, because, like, Kendra's thinking, like, oh, this is a vampire that killed the mm-hmm. Slayer, and she thinks, oh, I'm number two. Buffy's thinking, oh, you're the second assassin. And then you, it also plays in, oh, she's number two. You know, she's the second yeah. Slayer. So it's... Well, just thinking, just thinking about how if we were watching this live, having to wait a week after this episode would be really really hard i think because it actually aired the same day did they it did though it's confusing and we'll get to it next episode but the next episode starts with last week on buffy but they i double checked and triple checked and they aired the same day so episode part one is over and done with so what do we think meg how about you let's start what's your steak rating for this episode out of five steaks out of five steaks you know i think i'm gonna give it three and a half 
And that's only because it's just part one. So I, I, I would rather rate both of them together as one unit, just because I, I don't feel like anything was really resolved, which right. is actually good for the episode. But you know, All right? And Clairvoyant, how about you? Um, solid attempt, no Moloch, one steak. <laughs> <laughs> No, There's no I, internet demon, so I feel like this is just a waste of our time. Um, no, I actually I would agree with Meg three point five for for pretty much the same reasons. Uh, you know, it, obviously it's a two parter, so nothing's going to be resolved. But you know, that also means that nothing was resolved. <laughs> right. Well, it's really hard to rate this as kind of a standalone episode. Yeah, yeah, because it's you know it's part of a whole. Yeah. No, I gotta agree. I. Uh... I think the episode did a pretty good job overall. I think it introduced a lot of important or iconic, like recurring things, and it did advance the plot significantly. But it's still just the first half of a two-parter. It's not fully realized on its own. So I gave it three point five. Also, we're all in agreement. It's a good launching launching off point for the next episode that comes up. And that's a vamp death count of one and a human death count of two for this episode. And a Buffy murderer count of one. Weedenverse podcast rating, 3.5 out of 5 stakes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at Whedoncast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, or review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The Whedonverse Podcast is brought to you by the HHW LOD Network. You can find them at hhwlod.com, on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhwlod. The Tangent Bound Network can be found at tangentboundnetwork.com, on Twitter at tangentboundpc, and on Facebook at tangentboundnetwork. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 10, What's My Line, Part 2, written by Marty Noxon, directed by David Seymour, original air date, November 17th, 1997. Oh, what's that, Meg? Oh, you hate us and all our listeners? Oh, that's fine. You don't have to be on this segment. <laughs> Just kidding. But we do regret to inform you, bad news, gentle listeners. And we mentioned last week that a bit from this week uh, got corrupted, had to be re-recorded. This is the bit we're talking about. So we recorded the whole episode with Meg. The whole shebang. And it the... took over six months. <laughs> and the first half of this segment... For some reason, didn't work. Now, we split it into two parts, and thankfully, the second part survived. And we'll, we'll warn you when it's coming up, but Meg will jump back in and join us, and we will continue with the older footage, audio footage, from the previous episode. So it might be a little bit janky, might be a little bit weird, but let's see how it works. I'm excited. I think that's like exactly how you described last episode. Janky. Might be a little bit janky, might be a little bit weird. Well, it might be. (laughs) 
But part two. Part two. This one's still written by Marty, so thanks. Thanks to her. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but there's a different David S. directing. This one's David Seymour. In Finland, it's called Visitors Part 2. In Brazil, since they're backwards, it's What Should I Do? Second Part. And in Germany, it's called The Ritual. What's with Germany and just... They're just Awesome names. Nonconformists over there in Germany. Awesome names in Germany. But it starts with Last Week on Buffy, which is a good sign, but a lie. Poor planning, because it's actually, as we mentioned, aired on the same day. Yeah, so they're... <laughs> so it's weird that they put Last Week on, because in, like... Unless you're binge-watching it and you have a weird way of doing that, <laughs> it's it's never going to be last week on. Right. Maybe they were just like looking forward to syndication. <laughs> <laughs> but we start where we left off in the last episode. You're the who? And we find out Kendra's the Slayer. Yeah. And Buffy and Kendra start arguing who <laughs> the actual Slayer is. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, not a normal argument that you gotta have. Yeah, usually there's a kind of a whole, there's, there's only one thing. <laughs> but, uh, makes her promise not to go all wiggy. No Kiko, no Fido. And but, so they come to a truce. Yeah, no, they'll neither of them relinquish their title. <laughs> and they agree to go meet with, uh, with Giles. Mm-hmm. And... Kendra says she was sent here by her watcher to kill vamps. Yeah. Meanwhile, Angel, still in his cell, hiding, because that's all he's got left, just a little corner. Ooh, getting in a tight spot, bud. Kind of sad to see, though. Yeah, but is, yeah, he's like, it's weird because you know, he's not doing too hot. Well, he's doing you know, literally very hot, but. <laughs> you said it. But, you know, because the sun's starting to stream in. Yeah, that's what you meant. And he, <laughs> and he's all huddled in a corner, but he looks like he's freezing to death. He's like shivering. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how vampires work with sun. Don't yeah. act like you do. But theme song. <whistles> that one actually got the pick scrape. I don't think the other ones did. Congrats. Thank you. At the library, Jazz does confirm. Did you say library? At the li- the library. Giles does confirm that Sam Zabuto, who Kendra claims is her watcher, does exist. He's a real dude. Or a woman, I guess. We don't know. Sam's a multi-gendered name. All we know is that Sam is real and a very respected watcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, she introduces herself as Kendra, with no last name. Which is a lie, because her last name's Young. Yeah, Joss later revealed, and this isn't a spoiler because he reve- he didn't quite reveal it as much as created a last name for a different project, and it's Kendra Young. But uh, Willow comes in, Kendra's on the offensive. She's going to throw down. But Buffy says, back off, Pink Ranger, this is my friend, which, inside joke, because Buffy's stunt double played the Pink Ranger stunt double. Yeah. So, get she- it? quit the show about season four after a huge falling out with the producers yeah we'll get i bet when we get to that episode you'll hear all about it but kendra doesn't understand buffy's friends she doesn't understand that buffy's allowed to have friends she's kind of mad at giles about it giles says that with buffy some flexibility is required 
as a slayer. <laughs> and Kendra's just super stern, super stubborn. Kind of the anti-Buffy. She's very by the books as a slayer. Mm-hmm. And Giles realizes that the reason there are two slayers, there's actually an explanation. Buffy had died, so another slayer was called. So Kendra's all confused. Like, she died just a little. <laughs> And, like, this had to have happened before in some time frame in the world. I don't think so, because, you know, like, magics to bring people back to life are almost impossible and, like, forbidden and all that stuff in this universe. And Buffy was brought back to life by CPR, which is a fairly new concept. Well, but you can't say throughout the history time someone's heart didn't stop for like a second and then they like sort of snapped out of it because of smelling salts or something. That doesn't happen. How would that happen? You you weren't there. I saw it. But I feel like if it did happen in the past, the two Slayers would have never met. Probably. What are the chances they met this time? So it wouldn't even make it. Probably it wouldn't even be recorded. Looks like Slayers gravitate towards Sunnydale. (laughs) Yeah, but before California was around kind of thing. Like, what are the chances? Slim. Thanks, Marty. It is a great writing idea, though. And it makes sense, too. It does. Like, you just think about it, like, how are the two Slayers? And like, oh, wait, that makes perfect sense that there are two Slayers. There logically has to be. <laughs> Unless one was called after Buffy died, and they're like, oh, no, it false alarm, go home. <laughs> but, uh... Kendra says that she actually thought Buffy was a vampire because she was snoggling and jealous and jealous and jealous. But uh, Angel, even Giles confirms he's a pretty chill guy now. You should you should hang out with him. And she accidentally let slip what she did. <laughs> oh, yes. <yeah. laughs> so meanwhile, Angel's locked up. Willie's pretty pumped. Yeah, I would be. This guy beats you around all day. Willie the snitch. And uh, he drags Angel into the sun, and he dusts, which is a vamp death count of one. No. No, that doesn't happen. Oh. What episode were you watching? I don't know. We reviewed this so long ago. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm kidding. He drags him into the sewer, which would be a nice thing to do, uh, like Jean Valjean. Until we realize that Spike's waiting and he's actually Monsieur Tenardier. Get the reference? Everybody? I, I do, but I don't think anyone else does. <laughs> Google it. But, uh, yeah, Spike pays Willie. Bullies him a little bit. I think he throws his money in the mud. Yeah, I think so. And he's like, well, what are you going to do with Angel, huh? And he's like, I'm thinking dinner and a movie. I don't want to rush into things. I've been hurt before, you know. <laughs> I love Spike. I love how confident he is with himself. He's just great. But at Buffy's house later, and this is why I said pay attention. And I wish Meg was around so you could have heard her reaction. She cried, wept openly. Just kidding. Not true. But she was hilarious. Always hilarious. It's super bummery that she's not here right now. But between shooting of the two episodes, they went from filming on location at the actual house in California to building a replica house on a soundstage in between shooting the two episodes. So they look identical, except for if you look at the windows next to the door, in the real house they're stained glass, and now they're just clear panes. Ta-da! Movie magic. And Cordelia tells 
creepy bug boy that he should really look into selling dictionaries. Norman Fister. <laughs> and uh, he starts maggoting. Yeah, he just starts... Yeah. <laughs> Maggots start crawling out of him. Xander tries to make him leave, so he decides... Yo, I, I, I'm a salesman. And so... <laughs> it's just sales 101. You explode into a pool of maggots to get them to buy your makeup. Well, if they ask you to leave, you know, you don't take no for an answer. <laughs> you burst into maggots. <laughs> Xander even calls him Mary Kay, which Mary Kay Cosmetics, get it? No? Yeah. It, that's actually super horrifying, though. He reforms elsewhere. But really, I wouldn't deal with that. I think his normal form is creepier than his maggot form. And, like, they close the door. His name's Fister, which Mag had a had a fun time with. <laughs> but they, uh, they run to the basement, they close the door, and he starts just sleeping under. That's so, uh, maggots just creep me, okay? They creep me right up. Maggot Griffin. <laughs> She's going to listen to this and be so upset <laughs> that you said that. But Cordy, she'll already be bruised because you cut her out of the episode. Open <laughs> <laughs> the bruise, really. Cordelia's squishing him with a broom. Xander's trying to block it with a towel. I blink, I think it's a towel. And later, at Willie's, Kendra notices no ashes. <laughs> They're not ashes. So Angel's not dead because he didn't ash. But they, I guess, he wasn't ashed. <laughs> I get like we know that they turn to dust when they're staked. Maybe they turn to ash when they burn up. I don't know. How do you know they don't turn into ash? It's called dusted, but that doesn't mean they don't turn into ash. That could be slang. I don't want to think about this. <laughs> it brings back bad memories. But Willie tells him that he saved Angel and lies about where he put him. Skeezy. And like, he even swears on his mother's grave that he did nothing wrong. Like, what a gross man. <laughs> and, uh... But doesn't he also say his mom's still alive? Yeah, he swears on his mother's name, or he would if she was dead. But, uh, they get into a little bit of argument. Buffy and Kendra get in a tiff. <laughs> Buffy says, I do things my way. And Kendra's like, no wonder you died. Hmm. It's true. I guess. Mm. <laughs> well, that's some sass bleeding through the perfect little slayer there. She's getting some personality. Willie asks, as they're leaving, skeeziest thing you can ask anybody. <laughs> have ever you, either of you ever considered nude modeling? Because I have a friend. <laughs> they're 16. Well, we don't know about Kendra. Buffy is 16. Gross. That's gross and illegal. And no, gross. it's artsy. It's not technically illegal. It could be illegal, depending on the photos. But Drusilla, meanwhile, had a dream that there was worms in her baguette in Paris. Damn. <laughs> and Spike brings her a special secret surprise. Angel! Yeah, he's all yeah. tied up. Yeah, and he says that the full moon tonight will kill Angel and that Drusilla will be restored. And then they start to make up. <laughs> but Drusilla wants to have a little fun with Angel first. And uh, it's really BDSM. And... Yeah. And he says that she can play with him, but she can't kill him. And she says he's been a very bad daddy. And so she, then she slaps him. 
Like, the fact that it's Drew and that she calls it playing is creepy to me. Awesome, but creepy. Fifty Shades of Drew. Nice one. Thanks. But Giles and Zabuto over the phone, or we don't really see it, but they agree, I'm assuming, over the phone. Giles and Zabuto, I'm assuming over the phone, agree that Buffy and Kendra should work together, at least for now. Until Buffy dies. (laughs) And the outfit that Buffy and Kendra are wearing, both of their outfits, are the same that they were wearing last night. So Slayers are gross, is lesson one. But uh, Kendra suggests that they, they kill Spike. Just like that. Not that easy, John Wayne. Though it totally is. Why have a big bad all season? Just find them and stake them. Right? They gotta rest sometime. I know you've had your chances, and you just didn't do it. But Giles is super pumped about Kendra, because she studied all this nerdy Watcher stuff with it. Yeah. And and she can have it over a book, and, like, bonding on a professional level. Yeah, and Buffy's like, like, what What are you guys talking about? And they're like, oh, the Slayer handbook insists on it. And so Buffy's mad that she didn't get a handbook. And Giles is like, oh, I, I figured it'd be of no use in your case. Which, Scott Alley actually confirmed that in the first episode, that vampire book that Giles brings out is the Slayer handbook. He was trying to give it to Buffy, and she ran away. <laughs> so that's her own fault. But she's yeah. all, like, what's wrong with my case? <laughs> Kendra and Giles are... Yeah, they're just bonding. Because Kendra's, like, life is slaying. Yeah, and it's like... They're, like, talking about how stodgy the book was. And, oh, all the footnotes! Ah! <laughs> Ridiculous. Welcome to Planet Pocket Protector. And Giles says that Buffy should at least make an appearance at the career fair. Because Snyder was snooping for her. And Kendra's surprised that jokingly surprised mock surprised that Buffy's not a cheerleader <laughs> Giles says she quit cheerleading it's a funny story but then goes though we never research. saw it. that confirms that she quit we never saw her quit we just assumed that she stopped but uh Kendra's like did you actually go to school here why do you think they're there hanging out at a school <laughs> all day why do you think they go to classes? What do you do all day? <laughs> a lot of people really like Kendra, but I'm sorry, but she bugs the hell out of me a lot. And I think it's the accent. I truly think that I'm being judgmental based on the accent. But she's Cordy. Right, I don't think we mentioned that, but Bianca Lawson was actually... Cast as Cordelia. Cast as Cordelia. And then she dropped out and was cast as... Kendra. But Buffy's a bit bummed. A little bit. Because Giles and Kendra's like vibes together. She almost feels like she's been replaced. Damn. That's that's the worst thing that could happen to Buffy. I like how she's always wishing for another Slayer. And now there is one, which thanks Marty. And she's bummed about it. <laughs> but she actually does like toy with the idea of letting Kendra take over. She's like, maybe I could live a normal life. So later at Buffy, Cordy and Xander are stressing. <laughs> yeah, Cordy says, what if she never finds us, despite <laughs> the fact that they're stuck in Buffy's basement? Yeah, odds are she'll find us. And they get into a legitimate 
fight with like legitimate barbs. I was like, whoa! <laughs> like it got. They're screaming at each other too. Yeah, like Xander keeps calling her dumb. She keeps calling him a loser, which, for being real, his is a bit harsher. <laughs> Cordelia is actually pretty smart, strangely enough. And they're like, I'd rather be worm food than look at your face for another second. And they get right up in each other's grill and they're yelling, you coward, moron, I hate you. And then boom, they kiss. So just like this sweeping romantic score. Like that was so weird. <laughs> like the string overture. But I love it. And I don't ship it. There's no chemistry at all. Zero percent <laughs> chemistry. It's a purely comic relief kiss. <laughs> yeah, it does not happen in real life. But I really like it. I don't ship it, but I really like it. And they're like, we need to get out of here. So they peel off the duct tape from under the door. So that's what it was. And, and the fister is gone. He's a beast. So they run into the hall to try and escape, and it's raining maggots. Hallelujah. Right yeah, into Cordelia. So it's raining mealworms into Cordy's hair. Poor Charisma Carpenter, because some of those are real. At least some of them. The that's wriggling some. ones. And Xander's outside trying to spray her down, trying to get them off, spraying way too long. <laughs> yeah, he... Staring. Just spraying and staring. Spraying her with the hose and just like... Yeah, it's longer than necessary. <laughs> and like, I like that because it's a subtle touch. It's not like they made a big deal about it. Like he was doing that. Like I feel like it was almost Nicholas Brendan's idea to do last second. <laughs> but it's, it made me laugh. They squeal off in Queen C. And, and Buffy's test comeback saying law enforcement and environmental design. So it wasn't just police. And she checked the shrub box. That's why. <laughs> she points out that Oz is checking Willow out. And he's on his way over. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> Ship it way too hard. You don't know. <laughs> and I like this. I love this little subtle bit. It looks like your hair, it's brown. And he's like, oh yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I feel like he just, he did that himself. Seth Green did. Uh, now we gotta address it. Because it was in between parts. Supposedly like the same day. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like he also shaved since part one too. Yeah, I think so. But uh, they talk about how they both didn't want to take the software job. Because Oz's only ambition in life is the, the E-flat diminished ninth chord. Which is a impossible chord if we're being real. No. As a guitar player, as a former guitar teacher, and guitar music theorist, is not impossible. It's not even difficult. <laughs> it's a man's chord. You could lose a finger. It's... Ooh. It's not hard. <laughs> I can play a G... But uh, Buffy's in line for law enforcement to uh, before her uh, environmental design panel, I guess. And uh, the police lady that's in line, she's like, listen up while I call your name. Buffy Summers? Why would she call Buffy first? Cause, uh, maybe, there, is she the only person on the list? Maybe she's going by first name. But uh, Buffy raises her hand and boom, the Jaguar whips out a pistol and tries to jag her. Yeah, the cop. It was the cop all along. Why and I, think... I joked earlier that one of the people, I was like, it could be this person, could be this person, could be the cop. That was intentional. It was to fake you out, listeners. Yeah, but they would have already seen this episode. Maybe. Maybe they're getting super excited right now and you're ruining their fun. 
But why do you think they call that assassin the Jaguar? Um, well, her, the actress's name is Spice Williams. I don't think that's... I think that has something to do with it. Maybe it's... Cause, I don't know. Are Jaguars, like, good at, like, like blending into their surroundings and stuff like that? Oh, my God. You just figured it out. That's probably it. And I don't know if that's true about Jaguars or not. Well, also, <laughs> we're overlooking the fact that her name is Spice. That's the actress's name. But, uh... Buffy has everyone get down as as spice shoots, shooty spice. <laughs> Jaguar spice. She has the worst and weirdest gun holding hand posture for a police officer, supposedly. And bad aim for an assassin. <laughs> a school shooting though at Sunnydale. That's really messed up. But it's not. It's, it's not addressed like it's a school shooting, but it is, and that's messed up. Yeah. But, uh, Kendra comes out of nowhere wearing her only outfit and saves Buffy by kicking the gun away. Boom. Save the day. Yeah. And Old Spicy grabs Old Spice. Oh! <laughs> that was an accidental joke. She grabs Jonathan. She whips out a knife. He's pretty spooked. <laughs> yeah, why? Why Jonathan always? Poor extra. (laughs) And she's pretty spooked for whatever reason. She sees two slayers and runs off, as jaguars are known to do, when they see two bigger jaguars. (laughs) And yeah, so everyone's kind of confused. Oz thinks it's kind of cool that he just totally just got shot because he's chill. He's chill. He's... This is the first time that he seems more than chill. He seems a bit excited. Like, I got shot. It's odd and painful. <laughs> like, that man is so ridiculous. I'd strive to be him. Relaxed after I get shot. And Jonathan's great line at the end of this. Was that a demonstration? <laughs> so at the library later, the paramedics say that Oz will be okay. Just a little scrape. That's chill. Yeah, and then Xander and Cord... Wet Cordelia and dry Xander walking. <laughs> so Giles introduced them to Kendra, which is weird to think that they hadn't actually met her up until this moment. Yeah. We've been through so much with her already. And Giles explains they were attacked, and Xander explains they were attacked as well by a bugman. And Kendra's super, like, bashful around Xander. Yeah, super stuttery and awkward. She likes him. <laughs> like yeah. how... Xander's like, I knew that this I'm the only Slayer was just for attention, so you're a Slayer, huh? I like that in a woman. (laughs) I ship it. But, uh, they mentioned, like, hey, the assassin you ran into, what'd he look like? And Cordy finds a Meg, and she's like, oh, like that. (laughs) Yeah, in her hair. And then she just runs off to shower. And you and Bug People, what's up with that? I love that line. He was not a praying mantis, he was a man made of bugs. (laughs) But uh, he when Xander like squashes the bug, it like you see him squash it with the book, and then it cuts to a different scene or not a scene but a different shot. It comes back and it's a different book that he's holding. That I don't know what to say. It's just a blooper. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, Giles says that they're doing a ritual on the new moon. And Kendra's like, that's tonight. Now, damn it, guys, get your shit straight. No thank you, Marty. Because Drusilla and Spike said it's the full moon tonight, and that's why they're doing the ritual. And 
the rest of the gang says it's a new moon tonight. They're going to do the ritual. Now, full moon and new moon are not the same thing. They're actually exact opposites. I think the gang with the books are probably accurate, and the people hold up underground all the time are just wrong. <laughs> I don't think so, because the gang underground have the actual translated tome, and the ones upstairs are making guesses. <laughs> But uh, Giles says that they need Drusilla's sire to complete the ritual, which stressles Buffy out. Yeah, she realizes, oh, Daz Angel. Yeah, Daddy Angel. Daz Angel. And she's like, will this ritual kill him? And yes, I am. I'm afraid it will. So they're like, we got to go to this church before Angel dies. And they got five hours to sun down. And Kendra's just totally not in. Because she's like, I don't want to deal with your vampy boyfriend but then she's like wait no one messes with my buffy's boy and she's like angel but we must stop drusilla that's not how she says it that was bad that was worse than hers uh but <laughs> Sandra's great line no, angel's our friend i just don't like him <laughs> <laughs> and uh buffy tells kendra to either join them or move get out the way get out the way get out the way and she does. And she rolls her eyes like, oh, I'm with you. So Bobby says, good, because nobody messes with my boyfriend. And she said the B word. And it wasn't Bitka. <laughs> but uh, elsewhere, Drew pulls out some holy water. She's like, my mommy ate lemons raw. <laughs> Love the way they made her mouth tingle, little Anne. So weird. And probably not true. That's what she said. But probably not true. Why not? This she was a Victorian era. People had no TV. <laughs> How they amused themselves by eating lemons. They amused their relatives. But uh, she pours holy water on Angel, and she's just babbling away. She seems to still hold some hatred and animosity towards him for you know killing her family and all that boring stuff. Whatever, get over it. <laughs> and at the library, Giles is surprised that Sunnydale has forty-three churches, which, which really. Is not not surprising, a because it's Sunnydale. B because you are a town of thirty something thousand people, and forty churches for thirty thousand people is not weird. <laughs> Plus, evil things everywhere. Yeah, so like, I'm surprised there aren't significantly more churches in Sunnydale. But uh, in the office, Kendra's making fun of Buffy because everyone knows she's the Slayer. Like, did anyone explain to you what a secret identity means? I can't read a Kendra line without her voice creeping in there. But, like, Buffy tried. She tried in episode one. Everyone just kept getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, it must be in the handbook, chapter after a personality removal. <laughs> Slice. Damn. <laughs> And she tells Kendra to be careful with the little baby crossbow. So, of course, Kendra, I'm an expert in all weapons. Boom. Lamp death count one. Yeah. Kendra killed the bad lamp. See, Kendra's not perfect, so drop it. And yeah, they're totally like, you know, meanwhile the gang's looking through the books. And Xander's like, you know, we're finding lots of demons, but no cop lady or bug man. Which, like, holy shit, does that ever sound like characters from the new mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh well kendra says when this is all over you can show me how to work the crossbow and bobby says when it's all over i want pineapple pizza and a teen movie fest but possibly something from the ringwald oeuvre 
which Molly Ringwald, really big in the 80s. Part of the Brat Pack. Haven't really, she hasn't really done anything in a really long time. And she's in the new movie coming out, Jam and the Holograms. That's true. But, uh, yeah, Xander doing research finds the bug man. He says, cuckoo, cuckoo. Fister. Which is a reference to I'm the Walrus, but it's an incorrect reference, because in I'm the Walrus, they say, goo, goo, gajoob. Yeah, but it's usually misheard as cuckoo. Cuckoo, cuckoo is Simon and Garfunkel. So get your old band straight, Xander. But uh, they find he can only be killed when he's just little bugs. In his bug form. Kendraveals. Kendra reveals. Wow, that became one word. Kendraveals. That's like a prime time show. No, it's show. no a talk show. It sounds like where people like come on. Reveal no, 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 no. Prime time talk show. People come on, and she Kendraveals a secret to them, and they have to choose. I don't know no, where this is awful. going. Stop. But uh, she never really met her family because she was the young not... family. Yeah, because they sent her off when she was little. So Meg had a bone to pick with that. Because how did Kendra's family know she was a slayer? How do they even know what the slayer is? Like, isn't that supposed to be a secret? They just ship off their little daughter in the hopes that maybe something will be special about her? How do they know where to ship her? It's unexplained. It's all unexplained, and that's why Meg doesn't like it. Buffy feels kind of sorry for Kendra. But Kendra tells her, don't, girl. Because I don't feel sorry for me. Emotions are weakness. And Buffy, yeah, she... She thinks they're assets. Yeah, she says that because Kendra has no imagination, no emotion, that Buffy would win in a fight between the two, even though Kendra is a better technical fighter, which (laughs) riles Kendra up, which is what Buffy was trying to do all along. Yeah, and riles her up to show her that the anger is important. So... New spinoff coming to WB Buffy the Watcher coming now soon. But uh, as much as I don't like Kendra, I do think she's important. Because she's showing Buffy the by-the-book side of Slayers. And also how good she has it by getting to keep all these things that she likes while being a Slayer. I think that's very important for Buffy. Yeah, it shows her that stubbornness can get you out of any pickle. <laughs> yes. But uh Xander comes in, Kendra gets all shy. She's not supposed to whatever. She's not supposed to speak with boys. <laughs> she gets all sheepish. <laughs> but uh Buffy realizes that Willie might be able to tell them where this ritual is taking place. Know where the Willie's church is. Willie's a boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is accurate. Giles is a boy. He's not a young boy. Willie is. No. Probably He's... older than Giles. Super Italian, though. But, uh, meanwhile, Drew is still torturing Angel, but they're on their way to the church. And Angel makes sexual jokes about Drusilla, which gets Spike very jealous, very quickly. Uh, which vampire should not feel that emotion, one would think. But Spike's bad at being a vampire. Fair. Uh, she barks at him. Angel starts saying, like, all the sexual things she did, and she just... <laughs> I don't know why. And which is like totally not denying it. No, and so Angel's like, I can tell when she's not satisfied. Maybe you just don't have the same fire we used to have. Which, ooh, Spike is about ready to stake Angel. 
but Drew stops him. It was all part of Angel's conniving little plan. His assisted suicide. Yeah, <laughs> to ruin their to ruin the thing. But uh, I only know Spike calls Buffy Rebecca of Sunny Hell Farm. <laughs> but did Angel even stop to think about what would happen if his plan worked, and he was staked? Do you even like consider those consequences and how how it would affect anyone else? <laughs> he wouldn't be around to deal with the consequences. Why would it matter? That's the that's that's a bad attitude to have. <laughs> yeah, Spike calls Buffy Rebecca of Sunny Hill Farm. It's a reference to Rebecca of something something. I don't remember. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Willie says he doesn't know where Angel is, so Kendra's like, just hit him. <laughs> so I, I did hear something. It's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. <laughs> And he'll take him there to the church. But uh, Bobby and Kendra argue a bit. Willie probably thinks they're the most dysfunctional friends because they argue every time they're near him. Yeah. But uh, basically, Kendra's viewpoint is he's a vampire. He should die. And Buffy's like, no, he's my boyf. He should live. And Kendra's like, are you that big a fool? She also just completely refuses to believe a vampire can be good. Which... Fair, if you're reading the books your whole life, brainwashed. Yeah, and she also feels that they should return to tell Giles before they can do anything, and that they just can't stop the ritual alone anyway, so it would be better to wait before accompanying Willie. But Buffy thinks they need to act now, or they're going to be too late. So they go to the church, and man, it's nice. Really nice church. Uh, And Willie leads Buffy right to the assassins and some vamps to boot. What a nozzle. <laughs> but uh, why do they keep going to him? Every time they go to him, it's a trap. Because <laughs> he's Willie the Snitch. He knows what's up. And Spike is doing some sort of ritual to Eligor, the god. Which backwards is Rogile. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with anything except for maybe a, it's a pain cream or something. I know, I don't think it's anything, just whenever you, I see a name like that, I assume it means something backwards. But an angel's bound to Drew, and they put a cross in his hand, messes him up, man. He's glowing, or he's smoking, she's glowing. Spike says to bring it to a simmering boil. And he's pretty upset with Willie, because he bought Buffy here at, like, the worst time. <laughs> he's like, I brought you this slayer. He's like, not now. <laughs> I don't want her now. Yeah. And Spike says, hey, don't feel too bad for Angel. He's got something you don't. Five minutes. And then the Jaguar, named Patrice, Spike calls her Patrice. Yeah. Shows up. She goes to shoot Buffy, but Kendra pops up, which is Spike's lucky day. Also, two two slayers. (laughs) How does Kendra know where the church was? Right? Because Willie didn't tell her, or he took Buffy. Ugh. Skeezy. But Patrice is suddenly from Assassin's Creed. She has wrist blades. She's an assassin. Suddenly, crossbow bolt to a vampy chest. Boom goes the crossbow bolt. So Giles killed his first vampire. Vampire death count plus one, if we're counting from last episode, which we're not. He's killed his first vampire on screen. He's mentioned that he's killed vampires, I think. Yeah. Meanwhile, Xander calls the creepy insect a big cootie and come at me, bro. And then says, welcome, my little pretties, which is a Wizard of Oz reference. And they spread paint or glue or something on the other side of the door. And the maggots come through, get stuck. 
They start stomping them. Super gross. Like they're making grapes. They're <laughs> making wine. Making grapes by stomping. <laughs> anyway. Really great action this scene. Everyone's fighting someone else. It's all over the place. And uh, Buffy and Kendra are fighting and then switch. They roll over each other's back. They switch opponents. Uh, Demon death count one because they squished the mega guy to death. Which is kind of a cop-out death because how do you know you got all of them, really? Also... I'd say that's an other death count of several thousand. I, I don't know if I agree with that. But uh, Buffy throws Spike at Willie, who's so mad he'll kill him just this once. And Buffy's going to free Angel, but Spike stops. There's more fighting. There's so much fighting, it's hard to keep track of what's what, really. Uh, Willow, I like how she dusts a vamp that got Giles, which is her versus vampire dust, too, so yay for her. Vamp death count too, but I like how she brushes the dust off of Giles. Yeah, just in the background. <laughs> and this is about where we came back in. So here we go. Joined again by Meg. This is her introduction, formal introduction. Meg Griffin from Mindian's Minute and Outlandish Conversations. Coming at you. Yeah, Buffy and Spike are fighting. Patrice rips Kendra's shirt. <laughs> That's me favorite. That was her only shirt. That's me only shirt. That's actually one of like the only line, only Kendra lines that stick out in my mind from the entire character. But I, I love it. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. like Kendra's super about her shirt, which let the anger consume you, girl. This is what Buffy's talking that about. That's what her off to the point where she like she, you have like th- like no clothing, and then someone rips it. <laughs> And she knocks the hell out of Patrice. She doesn't kill her, though, for whatever reason, but knocks her out cold. <laughs> and so Buffy's, meanwhile, trying to untie Angel and Drew, and then Spike shows up, and they're fighting again. Well, she, got, she knocks Spike away, who threatens Willie a bit, and then lets him go. It's funny that Spike and Willie have the same name. And so Spike is, Spike is out, so he starts a fire, and then rushes to rescue Drew, who's unconscious, hoping that the ritual had enough time to do something at least. And then Buffy totally uses a like incense burner like a bolo <laughs> tosses it at them and just ends up getting them absolutely crushed in like falling rubble. She knocks Spike in the head, he falls onto an organ which brings the whole balcony down on top of him. Hell damn. <laughs> it was great. Thanks, and- Marty. <laughs> Spike and Drew cannot catch a break. Yeah, he's like, oh, I hope you're, I hope you're stronger now. They're I know like, you were, re- they're retreating. It's like Drew, I know you were hurt, but I hope you're better now. <laughs> so that's like Slayers one, Vamp zero, and yeah. so. She rushes to the floor to help the weak angel, and everyone's kind of watching. Kendra learns what love really is. <laughs> learns human <laughs> emotion, and helps Buffy get Angel out of the building. And we just get a final shot of just, like, the burning rubble, which Spike and Drew are underneath. I think it's super weird that everyone just stopped in the middle of this fire to look at Buffy and Angel ogling each other. Nobody puts it out. <laughs> I know, everyone's like, oh, <laughs> let me shield my eyes, but wait. I have to witness this love. Well, because they're so secretive that no one really ever sees them together. Just they just hear about them together. Everyone who is in that church knows what's up. 
Yeah, but they just hear about them together, so like this, this is a rare moment. Okay, well, yeah. Buffy you being hear a about slayer, a rare like seventeen toed sloth. You the don't want to see one if there's one there. The only thing that's a worse kept secret than Buffy and Angel being a couple is that Buffy is a slayer. I thought you were gonna say Monica Lewinsky. Well, she's a really. I'm talking about in the world of Buffy, because everyone and their mom knows that Buffy is not usual. I think it's so funny that everyone in the church just stops when this whole building is burning down to watch Buffy and Angel ogle each other. I would. Really? You would too. Are you saying no, I if wouldn't. I'd be like, get out! <laughs> the building is on fire. You're that person who like ruins a tender moment. Get out! Run! In the middle of a wedding. I don't know if you noticed, but this building is on fire and it's not that stable either. You can gaze at each other longingly outside. <laughs> it's just it's still the shot of them like holding each other, but you can just hear that over top. Get out! And then pretty soon we're going to be in some weird procedural where they find their bones gazing at each other and try and discern what happened. <laughs> so Willow finds Oz by the vending machine where he's buying a box of animal crackers. Which you could you can buy a whole damn box. I, like nowadays you can buy little baggies. Really? I like how they had all the like chips turned upside down as if that's going to be like, hey, we don't have to deal with advertising costs. Yeah. <laughs> and so the two, they talk, and Willow tries to thank Oz for saving her life, but he doesn't do thanks. He gets all red. And so she's like, oh, well, you know, I, I kind of owe you my life. And he compliments her smile, which is, ooh. Oh, no, because he says... He ignores what she says. He says, oh, look, a monkey. And he has a little hat and little pants. And she smiles. He's like, you have the sweetest smile I've ever he seen. Is a, he is adorable. Now, one thing that's interesting about this scene is they wrote in the whole animal cra- crackers, monkeys are the only ones that wear pants, based on a random like just stream of consciousness ob- observation Allison Hannigan had. Yeah. She was just like, hey. <laughs> and they just thought it was funny. So they just wrote this scene in, but this... It was entirely improvised by Seth and Allison, this whole scene. It's adorable. It is. It's the cutest thing. I ship it so hard. And he's <laughs> like, the mon- do you think the hippos are like, man, why don't I get pants? And the monkeys are like, oh, ho, ho, I'm monkey with my pants. <laughs> monkeys I French? Should, All I monkeys should, are French. Is it? <laughs> is it like Will Oz? <laughs> Will Oz? Ozzo. Oz Will? Either way, I ship it so hard. Willow Ozenberg. They're my one true. They're my one taco, please. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I like that. Yeah, this whole scene is improvised. Even the French monkeys and all oh, 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 monkeys are French. Um, Xander and Cordy, meanwhile, like we need to talk, and so they they go and they're kind of discussing like them kissing, which leads Xander into Xander them- looks like he should be on two and a half men. <laughs> I just had to point that out with what he's wearing. He looks like Charlie Sheen's weird younger brother. John Cryer? <laughs> or he actually looks like Charlie Sheen's brother? No, he the the shirt he's wearing, he's like wearing this weird bowling shirt with a white t-shirt underneath. He looks like he should be on Two and a Half Men. <laughs> it's weird it. and creepy. <laughs> Talking about them kissing, and then they're arguing about who kissed who, 
And they start making out to the cheesy string score again. Well, I love that both of them are like, we don't want anyone to know that this happened. And then they're making out right in front of the open door <laughs> of high school. Because if you want to be discreet, that's exactly what you do. Teenage hormones. Right? <laughs> just... It's time for Kendra and Buffy to say goodbye. And so they're on better terms now. Kend- Buffy lend Kendra a shirt. Yeah, Kendra's wearing Buffy's shirt. So it looks better on, well, me, but... <laughs> well, and Kendra makes sure Buffy knows that it's it's not a job. It's who yeah. you are. Yeah, Because Kendra's leaving on a jet plane. In the actual plane. <laughs> and not in the cargo hold this time. <laughs> Buffy tells right. her to avoid an in-flight movie with talking animals. Or what was the other thing? Chevy Chase. Which, they're, they're all references to a movie that she was in. Yeah, it was, what was it, Funny Farm? I don't know. But yeah, so Kendra tells Buffy, you keep talking about this like it's your job, but it's who you are. Yeah, she also says Angel's kind of cute, so she can see why they're together. And she refuses to give Buffy a hug, because... I don't hug. Machete don't hug. <laughs> I don't blame her. I wouldn't hug Buffy either. I like how it's... Buffy's green pants blend into the grass behind her. She's nothing but trouble. She's nothing but a torso. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Sarah Michelle Gellar seems sweaty. I don't know if I'd hug her. <laughs> but Elsa at the church, Drew's pulling Spike out of the rubble. <gasps> super beat up. And she... She's she seems fine now. She's like, hey, you help me, I'll help you. Yeah, and you can see the wires actually lifting Spike out. Really? Mm-hmm. Thanks. Now, one thing that's interesting <laughs> is that Spike was supposed to die in this episode, and Drusilla was supposed to carry on as the villain. But fans loved Spike, which they did not see coming. They didn't see anyone like loving him this much. He's the breakout character of the show. So I they're like, let's love Spike. So they're like, you know, maybe we shouldn't kill him in this episode. And they have this scene at the end. And, uh, yeah, I like the role reversal. But imagine if, being strong and Spike being weak. Imagine if they did kill Spike right here, right there. <laughs> I feel like I, I don't even know how the rest of the show would continue, to be honest. <laughs> and it's not just because I really... I, I love... I love Spike in the way that I kind of... I love to hate him a lot of times. He's just a really good character to have as a as a big villain or as a kind of even comedic effect at some point. I could not imagine Buffy after this episode without Spike. And so I think... Yeah, that's it. then the episode ends. Episode end right there. And we got a final death count. Vamp death count 2... Demon 1, or if we're going for all, both episodes, that's Human 2, Vamp 3, Demon 1. That surprises me. I feel like there should be more dead people. Yeah. Yeah, What about Patrice? Come on, man. Poor Patrice. Cops aren't people, man. (laughs) That's horrible. (laughs) It's terrible. So... What do you guys give? You guys always put your guests on the spot for what they give as far as steak rating. So what do you guys give for it? You don't get to say that. That's not your job. No, it's my job now. I'm get take- out. You don't, we don't want You're to. We're taking it ready. over. What's what? your steaks? I think it was a great episode. Super important for the show. 
it wasn't like the best episode I've ever seen, but super important and a really entertaining two-parter. Introduced a lot of important ideas. It was a it was a milestone for the show. It was better than the first half by a tick. So I'm gonna have to go four out of five stakes. For combined seven or seven point five out of five stakes for the two-parter. Seven point five out of five. <laughs> 7.5 out of 10. I think we can move up to 10. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I... Normally I would give it a 3.5 just based on the merits of the episode itself. But because it is such an important episode, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I do think that... You know, and I don't think they realized at the time how important it would be, but I do think moving up to a 4 makes sense as and yeah i do agree the second half was better than the first and so this is my way of showing that <laughs> thanks marty <laughs> yeah i i give it four out of five for this episode and i think you're totally right as far as the second half being better than the first and i think that's only because we get a resolution though i mean judging yeah. them judging the two of them together I would still, I would probably come up as a four, maybe four point two five for the two of them together as one collective um, ranking. I'm curious what my rating would be if I watched the second half and not the first, because the first didn't get that luxury. That's true, but I feel like it would be. I feel like these two episodes were not the first necessarily like serial part of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but, yeah, but the other two had really noticeable. The other two had Luke the Vampire in it and Jesse in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it was kind of Buffy is kind of monster of the week for a really, really long time. And this is where you can kind of really see the threads of an overarching story for the entire season. Season, sorry. Yeah, this is seasoning. Seasoning, yes. (laughs) There's overarching seasoning for this story. Spice Williams. Yes. (laughs) See how we bring it all around in a circle? It's beautiful. Um, but together, and, uh, I feel like I feel like if you rate them together, it deserves a higher rating than if you do it separately, because it's one continuing story arc. See, the thing is, like, I give the first one three point five, second one four, but as a whole, I'd give it a four as opposed to three point seven five. So it's yeah. it's weird that it works that way. See, for me as a whole, I would give it a four point two five as like a whole. Thing, I would rate it even higher than either of them because I feel like their each half is lesser without the other. That's so That's sweet. Fair. You're so romantic. <laughs> but I feel like both halves make each other better, so I feel like they deserve a higher rating together than they do separately. So Meg Griffin <laughs> joining us once again. You joined us last season, and we got you back for two. A big two-parter. You're the lucky gal this time around. So... Minions Minute and Outlandish Conversations. Why don't you plug a little bit? Tell us a little bit about them in case people forgot from last time. And tell them different reasons why they should listen this time. Different reasons? Then I am fantastic. Um, so Minions Minute is basically a podcast about the Mindy Project, which is one of my favorite shows because it's really funny and really just irreverent and wonderful and a totally different show than anything you have seen. 
Um, and basically it's me being obsessed with the TV show and my husband indulging me in my obsession and outlandish conversations is more geared towards the sci-fi, um, nerdy aspect where we mostly talk about the TV show and the books outlander, but we also talk about Dr. Who and stuff like supernatural and other kind of geeky sci-fi supernatural that's the one, that where, the one Basically. where tangents are allowed to run wild. <laughs> yes, these are both episodes where, both podcasts where I'm in charge and therefore my tangents run rampant. So <laughs> I spend 90 minutes talking about a 30-minute episode of television and it's fantastic. I don't know. I, I'm i really excited you guys like me here on your cast because normally our fandoms would in no way... We go tolerate, tolerate. <laughs> no. You invite me. <laughs> but normally our fandoms would in no way collide. And I really like coming and talk about other things aside from Mindy Project and Outlander. And where can we find you? Where can we find them? You can find me at MindyansMinute.com. Or you can find me at the Musings of a Geek podcast network at MusingsofAGeek.com. Well, thank you very much, Miss Meg Griffin, for coming on once again. Meg Griffin, Meg Griffin from Family Guy. Thank you very much. Yes, Meg Griffin from Family Guy. You can call me Ron if you really, really want to, but I won't answer Shut you. Shut up, Meg. Weedenverse podcast rating, four out of five stakes. Join us next episode where we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season two, episode 11, Ted, with special guest host L from yourfriendl.com, and episode 12, Bad Eggs, with longtime listener... Bloody Brody from Twitter. Can't wait until next week? In the meantime, check out Dusted on StoryWonk.com. All programs, productions, characters, music, and stories discussed in this nonprofit podcast belong to Joss Whedon and or their respective networks. All music, clips, and discussion used is either original, royalty-free, or released under Creative Commons designation CCBYNCSA. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Thanks for listening.